Well, good morning. It is so good to be with you guys today. Uh, thank you all for being here. Uh, I say that a lot of Sundays, but seriously, I know you could be so many different places. You could be sleeping in right now. You could be making a nice brunch in which you could have invited me over to. Um, but I'd be busy, I guess, because I work on Sundays or whatever. But um, hey, really quickly, everyone, before we dive into the message, if you got a bulletin as you walked in, grab out the connection card super quick and would love for you just to take just a minute and fill this out. This is our best way to know how to uh, communicate and serve you and uh, just really be with you. And uh, on there, we love your information. We'd love to let you know, you know, you can uh, sign up on the back for things like our emails uh, to know what's going on here, if there's different prayer requests. Uh, you can also let us know, as I said before, if maybe you're interested in getting baptized or if you want to take a different step in uh, your walk with Christ. Maybe you want to uh, serve in some sort of capacity in South Creek Kids uh, or, or the nursery. Uh, or if you have a prayer request you want us to let us know about, um, go ahead and fill that out. And then at the end of service, uh, there's baskets at the kind of different exits. Uh, you can either place it there, or if this is your first time or you've never given one of these to us, go to the Connection Center, which is the desk where maybe you checked in a kiddo today, and uh, take it there right after service. We have a gift for you. Uh, rumor has it, it is a world, su- or a, a lifetime supply of Jif peanut butter. That's what I heard. I don't know if that's true, but you're not going to know unless you go check it out. And uh, who doesn't love peanut butter? I mean, I guess maybe people have a peanut allergy. That's probably it. But otherwise, pretty much everyone loves peanut butter. And uh, make sure if you haven't gotten one of these yet from the Connection Center, go and get one of these journals. Uh, we'd love for you to get one of these. We're just asking a $5 donation. And if you want to throw in an extra 5 bucks to pay for someone, we're trying to give these out to people uh, who are uh, newer here. So also, if you're newer here, here is one of the real actual gifts. Uh, we'd love for you to have One of the great things about the journals is this is a great tool to help us as we uh, pursue a relationship with Jesus. It gives us uh, scripture to read. It gives us prayers to pray. It gives us questions to process through what we've read. How many of you guys dove into your journals this week? Good stuff, right? Uh, Samson, right? Man, what an interesting dude. Um, If you don't know what that is, grab one. You can always catch up or just jump in at this week, but it's going to be really great. Well, last week we, we kicked off a series called The Flow of forgiveness, and we're going to continue on this week, but can I tell you guys about, uh, I was thinking about uh, the Midwest, you know, let's be honest, how great was this one week of fall we had, right? If we can even say it was a week, uh, I mean, who would have thought it? We obviously uh, had a great time last night at the fall, fe- at, the, at the harvest uh, uh, festival, if you missed it, we had to move a lot of stuff indoors, uh, note taken next year, you can mark your calendars, it's probably going to be the first week in October, because... Indiana, right? Um, but we did have a great time, but it's just so funny. There's a lot of funny things about the Midwest, right? I mean, you now get uh, three days of fall, two days of spring, which is really great, you know, the four seasons. Um, you know, another one of my favorite things, can we be real, and, and maybe some of you guys would admit this, we, we have a phrase, it's not really so much a word, uh, it's not really like a reaction, it's just sort of this sound, but how many of you guys know about oak? Anyone know about ope? It's, it's when you, when you, when you bump into imagine an inanimate object and just something like a table or a person and you always have to say, oh, like, like, or if you're trying to like, you know, it, it slide down the aisle at a movie theater, like, oh, sorry, oh, sorry. Like, where did that come from? Right? We, how many of you guys admit that you say that? You do that. And who knows where that came from? Uh, it's just an interesting thing. One of the other sort of funny things I've realized and, 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 and I realize it, it came from my own family. 
But how many of you guys would also admit, you say sorry for everything. Like things that have nothing to do with you that never could have happened. Like someone, you know, just spills and, you know, they spill something that like you weren't involved in, but you're, you're like an in, instant reaction is just, I'm sorry. Like almost like you did something to make it happen. Like I'm so sorry. And we know why we do that. We just feel sorry for them. But how many of you guys grew up in a family like that? We're like, sorry is just a word that like it, like it almost becomes a filler word like, um, sorry. Let me say the rest. This morning, I, I just, as I was thinking about the message this morning and, and thinking more about forgiveness, uh, I thought that was a funny thing because I, I think while there's nothing wrong with it, it's because we got that, that Hoosier hospitality, right? We have those big hearts. We're, we're family-like. I think the one danger, sad part in that is maybe it cheapens sometimes legitimate forgiveness, it sometimes may be cheap and sad. So this morning, as we're going to kind of close out this very short um, series called Flow of Forgiveness, this morning what I really want to uh, focus in on is forgiveness from the standpoint of forgiveness that we give and forgiveness that we seek. Because if forgiveness flows, there is a flow to it. That it's not something that's stagnant, it's not like a, a pond that just stays there, but it's something that continually flows and there's some flow to it and there's a rhyme and there's a reason to it. But again, if you missed last week, last week we talked about our first reaction and we talked about how the reality is when we get hurt, when there's brokenness in our relationships, when we feel like we've been wronged, typically our natural first reaction is anger, revenge, hatred. It's the, you hit me, I'm going to hit you back harder. I'm going to make sure that your grandkids feel it. And they're not even born yet. But we talked about how when we look at Scripture, that if we are seeking to be followers of Jesus, that our natural first reaction of anger and hatred does not match up with God's response of love. Then we look at how the fact that he loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to die for our sins, that the debt that we could never be pay that we could never pay could be paid by him, then that doesn't really line up with him how we first want to react. And so this morning I want to talk again about what does the Bible say about forgiveness. And forgiveness is one of those topics in scripture that it does not take a long time to figure out where it is. It's like it's like how there, how many churches there are on Kokomo. Every time, which is a really great thing, but I'll be honest, every time there's traffic, which is like every day, um, or every time there's road construction, which is twice a day um, here in Kokomo, uh, I feel like I take a random new road that I never took, and I had no idea that there was another church that existed in Kokomo. But uh, this is a great thing, but it's like, wow. I Anyone ever feel that way? You take like a back road, and you're like, I did not know this existed. This is great. Um, but in Scripture, like, you pretty much can't find a book of the Bible that doesn't speak about forgiveness. Uh, it doesn't take long to find there, and there's so many different things. But um, this morning, I want to just dive into some of those things. Uh, we, we spent uh, four weeks talking uh, about the, the book of Colossians, which was a letter that Paul wrote. And I, I love the way that this translation, the New Living Translation, uh, translates Colossians 3.13. It says this, Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. In 1 John 1, 9, we're reminded that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all 
unrighteousness. I love that. As a flow to that, right? If Jesus forgives us, we forgive out others. But I think there's still lots of questions to be had, right? There's still lots of questions sometimes about like, well, like, but how many times do I really have to? What if this person does this? What if it's a Wednesday? What if it's a leap year? Like, what do we do with all these things? Uh, there's a man named Peter who had some different questions too. If you have a Bible, you can open up to the Gospel of Matthew. And, uh, and Peter really starts off this, this question that leads to this parable that uh, we're going to talk about in a moment. I have up here, so if you're taking notes, this is the scripture, and I'll let you guys know I'm only going to have the first two verses up on the screen, and then I'm really going to tell um, more of the story. But Peter was one of Jesus' closest uh, followers. And Peter, you're going to learn about, if you if you dive into the journal this week, you're going to do a little bit of a character study on Peter. Uh, Peter was a really uh, impulsive guy. He was sort of that guy, maybe you have someone like that in your life, where you never had to wonder what they're thinking about. Um, they, they didn't necessarily have a great filter. I mean, Peter is this guy who one time um, very quickly cuts off a person's ear. I mean, just he kind of has a bit of a uh, intense sort of uh, personality, uh, a, a quick reacting type person. And so Peter asked this question. He said, it says that then Peter came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven? Now, maybe some of us are thinking like, because maybe we've grown up in church and we're like, well, duh, we know that the answer is much more than that. We should forgive lots. But it's important to understand some of the context. So at the, the context of the time, Peter is actually trying to be a goody two-shoes here. He's trying to kind of go above and beyond. Uh, at that time, there was a, a lot of, uh, of, of teaching in the Jewish community that would say three times, kind of the three strikes and you're out sort of thing. That three times you have to forgive someone who has wronged you, but the fourth time, like, it's on. Like, you don't have to forgive them anymore. And so when Peter says seven times, and we find that from some different things, if you want to talk more about all the craziness of that, but some of it comes from an Old Testament book uh, called Amos. Uh, but Peter, I think, at this point is probably trying to, like, look pretty good. Like, all right, I'll go seven times, Jesus. Is that pretty good? And Jesus doesn't respond, I think, the way that, that Peter was probably hoping. And Jesus answers, he says, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy Seven times. Now, lots of scholars will debate back and forth. Does that mean just seven, 77 times? Does that mean 70 times seven? And then you get into this, you know, is it 400 some odd times? And the truth is, when you start asking those questions, you're missing the point of the whole thing. Because here's what I feel really, really great about. And it makes my heart feel really good. I'm sorry for y'all who are like accountants and love math, but like, I love the fact that Jesus doesn't really care that much about math. Like, there's not a math entrance exam uh, in heaven from what I understand, which I'm really glad because otherwise I'd have no chance. Um, I failed, like, the basic entrance exam in college. Woo! Bad stuff. Um, but no, the whole point in that isn't that. In fact, what was interesting as I, as I read more into it, maybe you've heard of a story called Cain and Abel. Uh, in the Old Testament in Genesis, there are these two brothers named Cain and Abel. And Cain kills his brother Abel out of jealousy. And so God decides that out of his grace and goodness that he will protect Cain still, but he sends him off and he banishes him 
uh, from his family. Well, what's interesting is that later on there becomes one of his descendants who comes up, and, and Cain does not leave a great life. He, he's a pretty evil, wicked dude, to be honest. And his descendants continue to follow on that. And there's actually a scripture in Genesis where, in, in, in the fourth chapter, where it talks about his descendant. And it uses the, this, this term of, 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 of 77 times that, that it was talked about that anybody who would harm Cain, anyone who would kill Cain after God had put this, this mark of protection on him, that sevenfold times, uh, the, 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 the revenge that would be ensued upon them for killing them. And so when Jesus talks about this, some scholars believe that although in the Old Testament we find that there was this, this promise of, of 77 times being uh, revenge and retribution, that this part of the new covenant, the new way, the new order, is that is what it will be for grace and forgiveness. That it will be this unbountiful thing. Now, those were a lot of extra facts that were just extras. But the reality is, when we come to that scripture, what does this really mean? It means that Jesus is is putting out this idea of an infiniteness. And probably as there are many people standing there uh, confused and being like, I hate math, like me, he began to tell a parable. Now, a parable, if you don't know, is a story in which is told that the, 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 the characters, the facts of the story do not have to be True. They don't have to be factual, but the entire part of the story is to bring out truth out of the story. And so this is what Jesus says. He says there was a kingdom and there was a king who had a servant who had a large, large, unpayable debt. And so the servant was brought before him and the king said, because you cannot pay this debt, I'm going to have to take you and your family and you're going to be sold and you're going to be thrown uh, into this life of imprisonment. And this servant begged and pleaded with the king, please, please have mercy upon me. And the king decided to have pity upon this person. And so the king in that moment settled his debt. He cleared his debt. This undeserving person, he cleared his debt. Now, you would think this would be this great story where this person would just leave and feel like, wow, I have had this greatest, this great debt, uh, you know, given away. I have this new lease on life, this new way that I can go on before me. Now, you'd think that in the same way, like when there's the pay it forward. Anyone ever had someone, uh, had someone pay it forward to you? Maybe you're in the line at, at a restaurant or at, or, or at Starbucks or something and someone pays it forward. It makes you feel good, right? Like you kind of want to start doing something good too. And uh, not this person. So this person's uh, debt is cleared. What we find out in the parable is that as soon as he's freed, as soon as he's left, he goes back out and he finds another servant who owed him a very, very small debt. It talks about how he chokes the man and asks him, when are you going to pay me back? Pay me back. And this other servant can't pay him back. And so this person who just had this great debt paid, this person who just experienced extreme, extreme mercy, has this other servant who owes the small debt thrown into prison. Well, when it comes out and it comes to the attention of the king that this this person who he had forgiven this great debt from had done this, he brings him in and he says, you wicked servant, how in the world could you do this? I forgave you this ginormous debt, 
that you could never repay. And yet this is how you treat another person who also is in debt. Talks about how then the king threw this servant back into prison. And it ends this parable by saying, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. You know, there's something important about forgiveness being something that really sinks into our heart. Now, that story is a pretty obvious thing, right? We, we can probably understand what Jesus is trying to get at. That if we have a God who so deeply loves us and who so deeply has forgiven this large debt of sin that we could never repay, that it, it's a pretty obvious thing that, yes, uh, we should not uh, be unforgiving to those who hurt us, right? Because there's no way that our debt that someone else uh, has to us could ever be nearly as big as the debt that uh, we owed to God, right? And that's a pretty obvious thing. But how do we continue on? How do, what, what does this even mean for us? I mean, does, is, is there even a more simple way of understanding this? And um, I'll be honest, as I studied more about forgiveness, it was again one of those times where I was like, I kind of wish I could take some of these out of Scripture because I don't like these because these are hard. And, uh, you know, there's some, there's some things in scripture, I think, where we go and we, we're looking for answers and it feels like there are things that are a little bit more gray. Where it's harder to like understand, like, what does this really mean or, or how does this really work? And, and forgiveness is one of those that honestly, it's, it's pretty black and white and, uh, which is both great because we know what to do, but it's kind of hard because you sometimes, uh, wish it wasn't the case. How many guys ever in school, uh, knew that if you could kind of like keep a professor or, or a teacher talking, um, you could kind of get out of things. I did that a lot. And uh, with forgiveness, we don't really get that in Scripture. So in, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, uh, verses 14 and 15, Jesus lays it out, and he, he puts it there pretty thick. He just says this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins... Your Father will not forgive your sins. That's a rough one. That's a rough one. It doesn't say, um, hey, it's okay, though, if they really, really hurt you. It's okay, I'll give you a pass. It doesn't say, well, um, you know, again, if it was a leap year, like, it's okay. You know, uh, if if they're family, that's different. Or if, uh, if you know, if, if they were your best friend and they cheated you, like, that's different. Um, it's pretty cut and dry that your heavenly Father can only forgive you if you're willing to forgive others. And, and, and you know, if I was to boil down my APV version, the Aaron Perry version, it would just be this. Uh, when we withhold forgiveness from others, God withholds forgiveness from us. And that's a hard thing to swallow, but it's a choice that we make. You know, you think about it, sometimes I think we, we may even look into those things and we get mad, but the ball's in our court. You know, it's sort of like we've been given this like really, really great gift of, of grace, of salvation, of new life. And it's like, hey, here you go. I'm God. I deeply love you. All I'm asking is that you share this with others, too. That if I'm going to give you this gift, you can give this out to others. And it's our choice. It's our choice whether or not we want to do that. 
You know, again, when, when, when we withhold forgiveness from others, God withholds it from us. Um, one of my favorite theologian thinkers is a guy named N.T. Wright, and he's fun to listen to, too, because uh, he's from England, so he has a great accent. Uh, but he puts it this way that I think is, is helpful sometimes to think of, that the heart will not open to forgive others, or the, the heart that will not open to forgive others will remain closed when God's own forgiveness is offered. The heart that will not open to forgive others will remain closed when God's own forgiveness is offered. Think about that. It is one of those things that, that, that if we're not willing to, to give that out, uh, we're not really going to be re- able to receive what we want from there. You know, I, I think about it like breathing. We all need to breathe, right? I mean, if, if we just stopped breathing for a long time, a lot of us would die, and then people would think we we're some sort of weird cult. Uh, so please continue breathing. But if you think about it, you have to exhale things before you can inhale, right? And so there's, there's a lesson there about forgiveness that maybe, maybe it's a good thing to think about the next time you've been wronged. Is that you have to breathe in the forgiveness, but before you can continue to breathe in that forgiveness, before you can continue on in that relationship with Christ, you have to breathe back out. You have to let go of that forgiveness that you've been given and extend it to someone else. It's not a gift that we just sort of hold inside and never let back out. There's a flow to it. There's this flow from this idea that God loved us. He forgave us. We accept that. We, 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 we acknowledge that. But then we seek it or we give it back out to others. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes when I... Um, Sometimes when I know I'm going to be teaching on a certain topic, sometimes I'll go back and I'll look at old sermons and I'll look and say, all right, what did I say back then? Like, how wrong was I three years ago? Uh, or, 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 man, that sounded pretty good. Maybe I can reuse that. And uh, I was looking back at a sermon uh, that I gave on, on, on forgiveness a little while ago, uh, and I found myself finding that there was something really incomplete. Um, in a sermon I had talked about, um, you know, I've used this adage a lot, but, you know, you've all heard, heard, the, heard the phrase, hurt people hurt people. Uh, and I really believe that we should, as followers of Christ, uh, you know, take that and also take it and say that loved people love people. And that in this particular sermon I talked about that forgiven people forgive people. And that's still deeply true, but there was something missing. And what I think was missing is that, yes, forgiven people forgive people, but also forgiven people Seek forgiveness. And that in the flow of forgiveness, we have to realize that seeking forgiveness is just as important as it is to give forgiveness. I was talking with my friend Larry this week just about this, this idea of forgiveness. And, and the truth is, sometimes when people have been deeply hurt, sometimes there's a sense of power about not extending forgiveness. There's this, there's this sense of I'm in control and I like that. And when I get to choose when I get to extend that forgiveness, there feels like there's this power. Which, just spoiler alert, that's a really unchristlike thing, by the way. That's not a good thing. Don't do that. It's bad for you. But I think one of the greatest marks of a mature Christian is also this acknowledgement of giving away the forgiveness because it's this, I'm not going to be in control. God's in control. I'm not going to withhold from someone uh, something that God doesn't withhold, uh, hasn't withheld from me. 
that I'm just going to give it back out. But it's also this acknowledgement to realize that I likely have harmed others. And when I've done that, I need to humble myself and I need to go and make it right. You know, the truth is, 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 is it also just reflects this idea that although God never wronged us, he sent his son to reconcile us back to himself. In Matthew uh, chapter 5, verses 23 through 24, it just says this. It says, Therefore, if any of you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. That's some bold stuff for him to say. But I think it comes to this idea, this heart That God cares far more about relationships being restored. He cares far more about forgiveness being extended than he necessarily does about a gift. Now, let me me make a caveat real quick. There's a big difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. And while we've been given the, the ministry of reconciliation, there are some relationships that just aren't going to be perfectly reconciled and restored. And that's okay. Sometimes when, 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 when we talk about forgiveness, I think some people start thinking of like the greatest big like thing. Like, well, what if this person killed my brother? And then uh, they're also still this drug user who's doing these things to me. And do I really have to let, my, let them babysit my child? No, you do not. Please do not do that if that's happening in your life. That's a bad idea. I think the hope is that we do believe in a God who can restore all things, who can reconcile broken relationships. And yes, that would be a big hope. But for the love of God, if there is some sort of toxic relationship that you have, if there's some sort of um, unharbored feelings that you have someone who harmed you in the past, by all means, I don't believe that God is calling you to have to be in this perfect relationship with a person again. But I think what he's urging you to do is the fact that when you Do not extend that forgiveness to them. And sometimes extending the forgiveness is a conversation, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it is a face-to-face, sometimes it's not. That just depends on the relationship, it depends on the person. For some of us, we have unharbored uh, resentment, we have a lack of forgiveness for people who have already passed. And the truth is, we can't have those face-to-face conversations, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that forgiveness still cannot happen it can't still be sought in some sort of way but i think it's this heart acknowledgement of saying anything in my life god that i've withheld from others any sort of mercy or grace that you've extended to me god i don't want to withhold that from someone else i don't want to be like that unmerciful servant who had this debt that was just wiped away i don't want to be mad at someone for the pennies that they owe me you know, the reality is, is that when we stay stuck in a state of unforgiveness, we've really just locked ourselves into a prison ourselves. And the person that's holding the key to that, it's not the person who hurt you. It's not Satan. It's not God. It's you. While we can do nothing to work out our own salvation, while we are, are made new, we are saved, we are a dream by only the blood of Jesus Christ. It's still a choice for us. It's still a choice for us to choose 
to receive that forgiveness. And it's still a choice for us to daily extend that forgiveness back out to others. So my friends, uh, as I invite invite Justin back up and he's going to close us out in, in one last song. Here's something to ponder. Here's something to look at in your own life. Uh, if I was to, if you were to miss anything else, if, if you fell asleep, wake up for one second. Because I want everyone to hear this, that, that the true mark of a Christ follower is that of forgiveness given and forgiveness sought because of God's forgiveness of our sins. We don't forgive people because they deserve it. We don't even give forgive people because they've been repentant. We forgive people because God forgave us first. We forgive people because we know that when grace is present, lives begin to be changed. We know that when when people see a love that doesn't make sense, it starts to hit to them that maybe it doesn't make sense. When I was in high school, one of my favorite bands uh, was called Reliant K. They were really weird. Uh, they had a song. <laughs> Uh, well, they, they had a lot of weird songs. Anyways, that's that's the side the point. But they had a lyric in a song that I always really liked, and it said uh, that the beauty of grace is that it makes life not fair. And I like that because the reality is it does. And in, in, in oftentimes when we think about fairness, I think we always think about it from a self-centered place, right? That's not fair. They wronged me. That's not fair. They got that. I didn't get this. But I think when, when they wrote the song, when they were talking about it, I think they were they're acknowledging this fact that the grace that we have gotten makes life not fair. And it's not fair because God's on the losing end of it. You know, every time there is a debt, it has to be paid, right? And so we know that that debt was paid by Christ. And it's a debt that we could never pay. And so truly... That made it not fair. You know, I think about when Jesus was on the cross and and he even asked in that moment, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. That when he hung there and, and, and he took on all of our sin, all our shame, knowing that we could never, never repay that debt. And it wasn't fair. And my friends, you know what? That's really, really good news for us. That's really good news. Because without it, without him, we didn't stand a chance. And so this morning, I don't know what's going on in your own lives. I don't know if if maybe as we've been talking these last couple of weeks, there's a there's a person that comes to mind. Maybe there's a, a situation, maybe it's in your family, maybe it's at work, maybe it's with a friend. But I would urge you to make plans even this week to work on forgiveness. Maybe for some of us, we need to receive forgiveness. Maybe for some of us, for the very first time, we need to say, God, I know that I have sinned. God, I know that I've been distant. And God, I need your forgiveness. For some of us, maybe we need to extend that forgiveness to someone else. We need to say, I know I've been holding it back. Maybe it's someone who harmed me in my past. Maybe it's someone who's harmed me even recently and I need to go and I just need to, I need to seek their forgiveness. I need to, I need to work towards this, but maybe some of us even know that we have wronged someone else. And even though it's uncomfortable and even though it's hard, we've got to go 
ask for that forgiveness. Because I still think that in our world today, the only way that people are going to see a true, authentic gospel is through love, is through relationships being restored, through broken people doing things that do not make sense. And the reality is forgiveness doesn't make sense because it's not fair. and We don't really like it. and We don't want to deal with it. But I think it's one of the greatest witnesses that we could have in a dark, dark world. And again, how do we expect a world that is full of so much darkness to ever experience the light if the light never comes to them, if it's never around them? Would you guys stand with me? And I'm going to pray and we're going to sing and we're going to respond. And my hope and my prayer is that in this moment, maybe you'd be receptive. Maybe even just pray this prayer with me. God, is there someone in my life that I need to forgive? Is there someone that I need to seek forgiveness from? Or God, is there something that's held me back from receiving your forgiveness in this moment? Let's pray. God, I thank you just so much for who you are. And God, I I, I thank you, God, for the fact that, God, you don't let us get off easy. That, God, you call us to do what you have done for us. Not because you're mean, not because you want to, to be like, gotcha, but because you know that it's good for us. God, you know that when we harbor that resentment, that unforgiveness, when we seek revenge, that, God, we don't do anything other than harbor ourselves into our own prison. God, we do nothing but alienate ourselves from you. And, God, we know that in your heart, God, your greatest desire is to reconcile us back to you. And so, God, I pray this morning that maybe that there is someone in this room that, God, maybe they've been distanced from you their whole life or maybe maybe just recently, and that, God, maybe this morning is their opportunity to just cry out and say, God, I'm tired of running. God, I'm tired of staying away from you. And, God, I just need you. Would you draw me close? And would they realize that, God, as, as it said in First John, that, God, if we confess our sins, God, you are good, and we can count on the fact that you will forgive us. We have to have no anxiousness, no animosity about whether or not you will. God, would they know that they have been made new? God, would they know that you have separated that sin as far as the east is from the west? That, God, they don't have to run back to it. They don't have to have to think about it anymore. God, I pray that you would give some of us, God, some courage. God, to just forgive others. God, that have wronged us, that maybe they don't even know they've wronged us, but God, maybe maybe we just need to make peace with those situations. Maybe we just need to seek out a conversation. We Maybe we need to send a text message, make a phone call. Or God, maybe we just need to work it out with you because someone's already passed on. God, whatever it is, God, would we work out that forgiveness, God, so that way we can be closer to you. And God, maybe, God, would you just give some of us some boldness God, to go to the people that we've wronged and seek their forgiveness. God, would we humble ourselves and go with compassion and grace, asking for forgiveness. Because, God, it's something that is going to help draw people back to you. And, God, we know that you desire relationships to be restored and redeemed. God, thank you for the fact that you've restored and redeemed us. And God, thank you just so much for your son and the sacrifice he made on the cross. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.